And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. I'm not going to pop your spy balloon today, everybody. Well, maybe. I'm Rich Rosso, Certified Financial Planner here with Danny Ratliff, Certified Financial Planner here for Financial Fitness Friday. So, Danny, is that your spy balloon or are you just happy to see me? You know what the theme is today? It's not Roth, it's spy balloon. <laughs> Danny's like, I don't know when it's going to come out of his mouth next. Inflation humor. It's a little inflation humor, yeah. Got to have a little inflation humor, Danny. Otherwise, you just... Every day I wake up, I feel like the Babylon Bee is more of an encyclopedia (laughs) of facts. Do you? You know it's an alternate universe some days. You're really not sure what's real and what's not. (laughs) If you want to use the the Hunter um, explanation, we're really not here this morning. You're all imagining it. Um, so this is a big day, Danny. This is Jobs Friday, right? So we have non-farm payrolls coming out. Uh, economists expect 187,000 new jobs. Uh, also, we have average hourly earnings. So again, based on where this number goes, we can see big moves in the market. But obviously, we had a pretty, I don't know, d- disappointing uh, earnings from Apple and Amazon and uh, Alphabet. They sort of were the three stooges of tech uh, in their reporting. So I think that the NASDAQ is going to see itself a little pullback. And I think a pullback here would be very, very healthy. It'll give people a chance to breathe an entry point. Uh, As we talk to people and talk to clients, right, there's been this sort of violent sector rotation moving out of the defensive stocks into the sexy and exciting. Kathy Wood is now back on television. She's disappeared, but she's back. I've seen her. She's hitting all the major circuits. Oh, she's fund, a rock star, her right? Funds I up mean, like what this year? Last time I checked, it was like thirty percent. Yeah, I think thirty-four. Some was last I saw. Yeah. So if you think this is normal behavior, and you want to commit more dollars indiscriminately, well, then you have zero rules, and you are full of emotion. Your balloon is full of greed and hubris. What do you say? Yeah, I think this is a difficult time because, you know, people have been so defensive and, and we have as well. You know, we I've kind of explained it where, you know, from an investing standpoint, we've been straddling that line between, mm-hmm. you know, cautiously optimistic in some ways, technicals of, uh, you know, begin to look a little bit more favorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and fundamentally, we're able to find some opportunity, but... You know, we're not out of the woods yet. And like what I did there? I, I do like that. <laughs> but, but, you know, looking forward, a lot of the stuff with these companies, it wasn't necessarily their, their earnings or revenues. A lot of it was their forward guidance mm-hmm. and how they're seeing things slowing down. And so this is going to be something that's going to be very difficult, I think, for a lot of people to maintain emotionally because right now everybody, all of a sudden, Kathy Wood's back on and she's hot. Um not Kathy Wood, her portfolio. <laughs> I was going to hope you were going to make that clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was going to start to question your eyesight there for a minute, but now I'm 
you 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 course corrected. Well, I was just concerned Michelle may be watching. Yeah, so. right. She, yeah, I'll give you Kathy Wood when you come in. I'll give you a nine iron right across the head. But but I think this is difficult because yes. now you see. I mean, we talked about S and P was up considerably, and Nasdaq's been up uh, quite a bit here to start the year. Mm-hmm. And so you've talked to some people who are like, "Hey, I'm thinking about going all in." From cash, like I've been, they've been a hundred percent in cash, and the, um, you know, the conference, the the bias here is amazing. Um, trying to extrapolate out, I'm like, okay, well, let's just take a step back. Let's make believe that this nine percent return isn't the return for the entire year, and you're going to earn this every month. Go ahead and you go ahead and take out your calculator. Go ahead and calculate that, and then tell me what you think about putting. Take going from 100% cash to 100% stocks. Tell me what you think. Oh, yeah, maybe that's not realistic. I mean, you <laughs> well, the the markets have returned in one month what they historically do in a year. Correct. So is now the prudent time to go all in? And look, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity, and this may be. I mean, you know, interestingly, we've been talking about you know, all the different dynamics and different viewpoints and how they've been shifting so quickly where you have at the beginning of the year, everybody said first half is going to be awful. Second half is going to be great. Then now, you know, since the market started going up the first two weeks of the year, everybody switched their stance and said, whoa, whoa, first half is going to be great. Back half is going to be terrible because we'll be dealing with the recession. Now, all that talk's just gone and saying, go buy. With the exception of all of your short sellers and money managers that are coming out and saying, hey, you know, they're, they're talking their book, right? It is. and But it's so funny how rules, this market, yes, it's always about fear and greed. The one thing that never changes about investors, but it has gotten so primal about, you know, divesting of your hard-earned money and putting it into speculative investments. It sort of astounds me. Um the, the primal moves that we have seen in these markets. And if you're an intelligent investor and you want to step back and examine, you wouldn't be committing a lot of dollars here unless you absolutely believe that everything is going to be perfect. There's a soft landing coming. But even if that's the case, Danny just brought it up. This is usually the return for the year. So do you think that possibly you're going to get a better entry point? Do you think the Fed's going to get on this nice, smooth path down to 2% inflation? Uh, if you believe in all that and you want to take these kinds of risks, you know, go ahead and do it. Well, pull but a chart that, up for the, from this last year. Uh-huh. And does it just go straight up? I mean, go back to 21. Mm-hmm. Go back to, well, 20 is a little different. In but some 21, ways. look what happened in January. Yeah, everything was so copacetic, um, and again, I think markets want to be invested. Um, if you're underinvested, I understand you have a dilemma. And even if you are invested and you're in some companies that were doing well last year, remember, you want to try to focus on fundamentals and cash flow. You still want to stick to your guns and not deviate from your process and wait for better entry points for your cash. This 9% return so far for the S&P, and I think European markets are up 11 to 14%. And by the way, the Bank of England, if you listen to them, they sound a lot more hawkish than um, 
than Powell does. Like, they're thinking they're going to... Yeah. I mean, I think that they may be the new Volkers. They're, they're, they're serious, and they're going to continue to move, okay? Um, so, to me, if I had been sitting on a lot of cash, or I want to rotate out some money into something more exciting outside of food and beverage and healthcare and all that, or I want to... Say I want to barbell this. You know, maybe I want a little bit of my vegetables, but I want some chocolate too. You're going to have a better opportunity unless you believe the market's going to give you 9% a month for the rest of the year. It's not going to happen. That I will say. You will have a better time. Hey, we get back. I want to talk about the froth about Roth. When we get back here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Is your partner cheating on you? Financial infidelity is a relationship buzzkill and a wealth destroyer. Just in time for Valentine's Day, our next Candid Coffee will address how to avoid financial infidelity. Saturday, February 11th with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff. Build trust, improve your money talk, and pillow talk. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com. How to avoid financial infidelity. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real investment show welcome back so Kathy Wood said in an interview with Bloomberg yesterday we are the new Nasdaq who is the new Nasdaq arc arc really yeah hmm. and that uh, by the in the next decade Bitcoin will be a million dollars per coin okay and arc is up 42 percent this year wow more than twice the nasdaq 100 hey good for her the one thing about kathy wood is she sticks to her guns if there's anybody that's going to go down with the ship or rise with it it's her she she doesn't change she does not wear flip-flops i mean she no she does not you know exactly where she stands yeah um, and in that process, I, I sort of respect her. Um, you should know when advisors can be and complain to me, I was going to use the B word, but I know we're on the radio. I, I can't believe it. You know, I mean, I put money into this and it's lost. I said, do you understand this is a wild horse regardless down or up? This is not a core portfolio holding. This is a satellite holding that you put a certain percentage in and you let it sit. Okay, this is not supposed to be your core foundational holding. And a lot of advisors, well, not a lot, but, and, and this is anecdotal, believe me, but people I talk to that have owned this get, you know, advisors are just as bad as individual investors about falling in love with stuff and over allocating. And that's exactly what I've seen with ARC. Uh, getting mesmerized by past performance, not really looking at the strategy, not understanding the risk 
that's being taken and how do you position it in a portfolio? Well, I think it's a really easy It's a spicy. It's a spicy. It's the Sofia Vergara. But but when things are good, look, a lot of advisors are selling on past returns. So if they're building a portfolio for you and it's done really, really well, they're going to have a really nice argument. Because listen, if somebody walks into an advisor's office and they say, well, here's the returns from last year, they're going to say, wait a second, we're not going to be investing that, but this is where you should be. But if they show you these returns of something that was really hot and great, I think people are, are more likely to probably invest with them. And I think that's why our strategy is so different in many ways that you know, we're, we're very nimble. We may have something in the portfolio today that's going to look a lot different in a month. It doesn't mean we're day traders by any stretch. I mean, we do have our, well, our we, main we still don't really, positions. We still don't really understand the mechanics of what's going on except for this primal emotional move of money, right? Violent rotation of money. Um, we're still focusing on the core of, you know, again, we're invested. We're not out of the market. We're just not at full weight. And especially when markets are, are contained in this much, where there's so much euphoria and this is such a high octane kind of market, do I want to go along with this, with this crowd, or do I want to step back and wait? So the one part about having a good financial advisor is to give you a voice of reason and try to help you understand the facts, whether the market's going down dramatically or up dramatically. This is not normal behavior. This is not going to last, okay? And if I'm wrong, you all benefit, you know, then if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I just don't see it, okay? Unless there's absolute perfect perfection in these numbers that we're going to continue to see, and we haven't even felt the rate hikes from six months ago yet. And the Fed, I'm still confused, Danny, this bluffing, calling the bluff, and the everybody thinks the Fed's bluffing. I mean, Powell doesn't seem to have some relevance. I mean, he has relevance to the market just based on the moves, but it's like, you don't know, you know, we know what you're going to do. We know what you're going to do. So this front running of a Fed that's in your way, when Marty Zweig wrote in one of the best books I ever read, Winning on Wall Street, don't fight the Fed, it's asto- it astounds me. Because I do think you have a generation of investors who believe the Fed will always bail them out, no matter what. And if inflation gets stuck, which my thought is around 4.5%, 5%, it's going to get very, very thick and tough to get to two. Then what happens? So you are, if you're going to get caught up in this euphoria that you're seeing right now, I think you have a big emotional problem. You're not following rules. But why is two the magic number? <laughs> Don't ask me. No, I mean. I know there's data, and, the, and I mean, Lance provides it, and you can see that. But to me, Larry Summers said it. Not too long ago, we need to raise this bar to three. We need to raise this two percent. Well, it used to be three. Yeah, he wants to be three to four, and and I don't think that's a problem. Assuming you still have wage growth, you still have jobs, productivity. We just don't have those. They're not all following in in unison. But this market laughed in in Powell's face. Really, it was like watching the Three Stooges, and he's he's on that. You know, ever see before? Like the guy's going to get hit with the pie. And then that pie comes in and then another pie. I mean, it seems like they're just they're they're just calling the bluff. Well, after Tuesday, I really thought I, I, I couldn't even imagine. I could picture Powell sitting in a room watching the market thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I thought yeah, they were going to push me over I, the I edge. Would, but I hey, we're doing to, 50. I would love to be a spy balloon on the wall. Oh, man. 
and in the in the, in that office, and when he's using every four letter word out there, like what the heck are, is going on? Yeah. This, I, I mean, again, I don't think this is a good thing from the perspective of um, what Howell could do. So it's just very awkward. What are, what are yields doing this morning, Danny? What, is the, what, is the, what are the smart bond investors telling you today? Yields a bit ago were declining a tad bit, but not much. I uh-huh. mean, we've, we've seen them come down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, 10 years at 3.38, 3.39. Mm-hmm. We were early on that trade, I will tell you. We ha- right? We took, <laughs> way <laughs> early. we took a lot of grief on that trade. Way, way early. But because, again, this has been... Uh, this denial phase we've been stuck in that the Fed is not going to do anything or the Fed's going to change course. If they're doing it in Powell's face, who would have ever thought, right? So, of course, yeah. the trade didn't work. <laughs> but you, this year is a different story. Well, I think that you could expect this, especially what's what's going on. Looking at economic data, yields should be eventually dropping. Now, this may be a little bit overdone. There's probably going to be a better entry point with bonds as well. We mm-hmm. see yields pop a bit. So I think patience is key here. Um, understanding, you know, your own discipline, patience. what you're What's trying that? to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, no, I think patience but you're right is tough, though. though. No, but I think for us, right, we follow these rules. It's just we have to communicate it to the people we work with and care about in our practices uh, that you need to be patient here and not get caught up in this. Um, a lot of people are, obviously. <laughs> Well, it's easy to do, right? I mean, nobody wants to miss out on lots of returns, but I will tell you, I've had a lot of clients we've talked with saying, listen, I appreciate the conservatism yes. in a year like last year, the ability to be flexible. Yes. Um, we're okay missing out. We want to protect, and when we get a really good confirmation, let's go in and start adding a little bit more at that point. And keep it, in mind, people, people are really could. not missing out. It's yeah. just that we're barbelled a strategy where we have some of the more conservative dividend stocks, and we also have a little bit of the high flyers. So it's not like we're missing out completely from these runs. It's just that we're handling it in a different way. Well, maybe explain what that means, too. I mean, so, well, we're talking about, like, when we talk about fully allocated, so let's just take a model, and I'll I'll pick on 60-40 models quite a bit. Sure. But in, in years where, like, 2021, we felt like we had the wind at our back, we were able to over-allocate to equities at certain times. Mm-hmm. Um, we traded bonds a little differently than we did last year in 22. Mm-hmm. Last year, we were underweight stocks and bonds. So instead of being like a 60-40 in 21, could have got up to 70-75% in stocks. This last year, we were between 30 and 50, depending on the environment. This year, the beginning of the year, we increased our equity exposure some. Our bond exposures really small in comparison to what it would typically be mm-hmm. but we're in a lot of cash alternatives so when we talk about underweight overweight that's what we're referencing yes and there will be a time we think we're gonna have the wind at our back again lots of great opportunities yeah. we're going to go in and, and we'll likely be overweight again at some point but we're not just going to throw caution to the wind at any given point in time you know the majority of our clients come to us and say listen we want somebody to help mitigate some risk we don't have the ability we understand the math of loss we don't want to just ride this thing down and that's a I, big part of it. I have to tell you, yesterday, yeah. I have a client's out of state. I wanted to get on a plane and go and hug her. Yeah. Because here's what she says. She goes, you know, Rich, I like the ride. I'm like, is she at the amusement park? She goes, I just know that we, we, we don't, we're not on this big roller coaster. We take a smooth ride 
And she goes, what? And she goes, and she brings up her planned return. Yeah. The return she needs. She is a super saver. This woman is a absolute amazing, one of the most amazing. And she, and she doesn't forfeit her lifestyle, Danny, but she is an amazing manager of her money. And her benchmark rate is 2.5%. Right, and she's been getting her returns have been around four to five. Yep. She goes, Rich. All I care about is how's my plan. Oh, you're absolutely great. You're absolutely fine. That's all. She's focused on her goals, the ride that she's comfortable with on the volatility side, and she understands why we do what we do. And she focuses on her benchmark rate that she needs. She's not there chasing or trying or wants to chase euphoria or get wrapped up in the fear and the greed. She just wants to know that consistently she's hitting her benchmark rate so she can retire at 64 years old. That's all she cares about. Well, that's what really should matter at the end of the day is that what are these funds for? I mean, mm-hmm. we're getting off kind of talking from no, but it's know, true. big picture. Mm-hmm. But what are they? what's the objective here? We know that we cannot control markets now. We can control behaviors surrounding them. And risk. We can do our best to control risk. Correct. But you're right. But there's still going to be down years. Mm-hmm. Nobody's taking a recession out of the business cycle. I hate to tell you guys that. Oh. There, there's going to be these years. And that's okay because we have planned for these. We don't want them. We don't like them any more than you do. But in many ways, they provide a lot of good, a lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. So if you have cash, you have dry powder, you have the ability to put funds to work. And this is where, you know, unlike just a traditional buy and hold, I think there's a significant opportunity because now you're not just writing it down and writing it up. Yeah, we still have some. We're writing some down, but we're going to have cash to go and, and purchase. That's going to be really, really nice. It's February 3rd, everybody. Calm down. Froth about Roth. We get back. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com is your partner cheating on you Financial infidelity is a relationship buzzkill and a wealth destroyer. Just in time for Valentine's Day, our next Candid Coffee will address how to avoid financial infidelity. Saturday, February 11th with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff. Build trust, improve your money talk, and pillow talk. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com. How to avoid financial infidelity. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. listening to the real investment show so people are saying on the youtube channel that uh kathy wood sells low and buys high and i'm going to disagree with that if you take a look at her 13f especially for last year as a landmark year she stuck with a lot of those investments and she added to stuff that I wouldn't have the guts to add to. Um, that's just her philosophy. Okay? Well, and keep, keep in mind, I think, when we talk about any mutual fund or ETFs, or you know, especially mutual funds or, or specific money managers, they typically have to stick, stay the course, right? They're not just going to go out and go to cash and be as nimble as many people would think mm-hmm. they can. 
if they're in large cap, they're going to remain in large cap throughout the year, and they're going to have to rebalance to have a certain amount in it. Or if you're in tech or any specific area, you're going to have to remain invested. Well, but she will work around the edges. I've been following Kathy Wood before she was Kathy Wood. And her analysts, and um, and I'm not an advocate for her or not an advocate for her. I'm just saying she sticks to her guns most of the time. I have seen her um, un- buy Bitcoin when no one really talked about it. And I saw her unload Bitcoin, a lot of it, at the top of the market before she went back. Even though she was sticking to that million-dollar call for a while, I saw her unload for a massive profit um, some of that Bitcoin. So she does have a discipline. Um, you may not like it, uh, and it's never perfect, uh, but she does. And she looks at things a little different, and she shares her trades. She's very transparent. A lot of mutual funds, ETFs, are not going to share their trades. Uh, if you sign up for her analysis and her work, uh, it's just fascinating to read what the, what, the, what the analysts are looking at and why they're looking at it. So you're saying, what would Kathy Wood do? If she were Wood. Yeah. Yeah. What would Kathy Wood do? Mm-hmm. And she does do. Yeah. There's a limerick in there somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> well, it is, it is pretty interesting to watch her as far as investing money and, and the analysis that she does because she is really looking for those disrupting technologies, the new, you know, uh, medical devices, new technologies. I mean, it is really she, remarkable the things that she finds. I had a chance when I went to a very, before she became popular, I went to a very intimate workshop. There was about, there's probably about, 15 people there and I had a chance to talk to her for a few minutes. And I said, and she's talking about her homework. And I said, boy, I said, if you make the wrong call and as you get popular, you know, people are going to really, you know, you're going to run you through the ringer. She goes, you know, she ponders. She goes, I just don't care. <laughs> and she really looked like she meant it. Good for her. I've got a philosophy and a discipline. Either you like it or you don't. Either you see all the research we do or you don't. She, she's, even though she is Wall Street in many ways, she's sort of off the, off the beaten path as best she can be um, with what she does and how she trades. Um, and again, but you got to be careful. You've got a, you got a loaded weapon there uh, in what she does, and she doesn't, she's unabashed. She tells you this is not for everybody, and it's risky. So if you're an advisor, you better be responsible on how you're allocating money to any, and I'm not just talking about, I don't mean to point out Kathy Wood, but any high-octane investment or fund, especially when there's really nothing there. There's really no fundamentals there. It's just trading on story. If, if, that, if you're going to do that, have some rules around it. Everything's an investment until it isn't. Anything is a trade until it isn't. Uh, how much risk am I willing to take? How much loss am I willing to take? When, what, are my, what are my rules for taking gains? If I know the animal I'm riding, then I can adjust. Nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah, I think it's it's really about mm-hmm. understanding your risk tolerance, what you can, what you can do, right? I mean, somebody mentioned that she buys low and sells high, or wait, no, the opposite, mm-hmm. buys high, sells low. That's not always the case, right? But that no. is the case for the average investor. There Most are some times she makes a mistake and she will sell low. Yeah. Well, you get stopped out oh. of a position at some point. Yeah. Everything's not going to work 100 percent of the time. Mm-mm. Or fundamentals change. Listen, that's happened to us. Not every investment's going to work. Yep. Uh, and we, we're, we're not ones to sit in our ego and go, it's going to come back like my dog that ran away in 1993. It, 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 it's not going to come back. Or if we do sell it, 
maybe something's changed and we're going to revisit it. I find so many people that will sell a company because it hasn't done well and then never look at that stock again. Well, you know, corporations are sort of living, breathing entities. They change. CEOs move around, right? Look at Microsoft. How long was Microsoft dead money? How many oh, man. years was Microsoft? And then Balmer got in. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This guy is, forget it. This, you know. But that doesn't mean that you wouldn't look at it later. Everything should be an investment opportunity if you do your homework. Rather, it didn't work for you or did work for you in the past. You got to wipe that away from your mind emotionally and move forward. It, it's always uh, surprising to me how many people, like we have these conversations when new clients come on and, it, and say, hey, so you've owned this, it's down. If, if we were to buy it back later, would you be okay? And most people say no. No. No way. That's I got to wait for it to come back. Yeah. And most likely if it's coming back, there's been some form of leadership change that's making it come back, most likely. Something's going on. Look at Apple for so many years. Dead money, right? Mm -hmm. Something's going on organically that is changing the per perception of the company or the, the, the cash flow or fun. Something's going on. Well, before you just wait to get even and focus it on the price, why don't you look at why it's moving? And maybe you should hold it now. So, yeah, it, we get wrapped up in the green and the red, which means is this position down or is this position up? And we don't dig deep into understanding the reasons why. And then sometimes a dud's a dud. Yep. And you got to go. Now, we do have some clients say, hey, I don't like that company. I don't shop there. I'm not going to give them any money. I, I, and I respect that. I don't want to be associated. I, I absolutely respect I, I'm that. I'm the same way. I'm barely going anywhere now. Yeah. I have companies <laughs> I won't invest in. I mean, I just, or, or patronize. I don't like what they stand for, what they do. And so if Amy wants coffee, we drive by all these Starbucks. Hey, hey, right there. I put that there. Uh-uh. Yeah. So, I mean, again, everybody's got their preferences, right? Yep. I respect that. Or I, I don't believe in investing in tobacco or... Or, or, you know, whatever it is, we're going to, you know, that I understand you've got some uh, values that you don't want to uh, betray. And yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Just let me know. So Roth, listen, Danny, we have always been, we've always been frothy about Rothy, right? We, <laughs> I don't know what to say with this. This is, this is Brent's idea. Um, but in the new SECURE Act that came into law December 29th, boy, major changes. But Roth has moved to the top of the list of things you should be looking at. Rothification is real, isn't it? Oh, it is. I mean, now the mainstream media, we've talked about how all of a sudden they've jumped on board in light of them potentially raising you know, taxes. All of a sudden, all mainstream media says, oh, you got you to fund the Roth. Where have you been for the last 10 years? When Susie Orman starts recommending the Roth, I know I, we're, we're doing the wrong thing. It's time for us to go. Yeah, we got to find, find something else. <laughs> we need to be more forward-looking at this point. Because, so, but, but I think this is important, right? So, so let's, uh, let's take a step back. Yeah. Roths are not brand-new accounts. They've been around since 1997. Correct. Senator William Roth actually uh, put this in a tax bill. And this has been something that... It's had a lot of, it's been rather contentious as I'm far as I'm just glad his last name wasn't Lit, because God knows what we would be rhyming with today for, for, for Brent's purposes. Go ahead. I'm just thinking of all the rhymes. <laughs> so this is something that's not new, but it, yeah. it really 
caught a lot of flack here over the last couple of years, especially with the, you know, finding out Peter Thiel had a huge investment <laughs> that, you know, right. he's made $5 billion. And now everybody has $5 billion in a Roth. This is not fair. Um, listen, that's not the average investor. That's, you know, the median investor doesn't even have that much money. So for most people, it's a fantastic tool, mm-hmm. especially in an environment where the government can't spend. You know, we've talked about a couple of weeks ago about how many times they have raised the debt ceiling. They're continuing to spend money. At some point, they're going to raise taxes. So the other you know, side of the equation we hear a lot, Rich, is that people say, well, you know, they're going to come back and they're going to tax my Roth again. Well, they've already taxed your Roth. They tax those funds when you made them. Mm-hmm. You're putting them in. You're not getting the deduction. Mm-hmm. And they're going to grow tax-free. So what does the government need? You talk about the J.G. Wentworth, which I don't like these iPhones because now I'm getting emails from J.G. Wentworth. I don't even have any debt. And I'm like, what in the... <laughs> They listen to everything. It's crazy. Yeah, you think that's funny? I never start sending. Another good reason we're glad that the dude's name wasn't last name wasn't lit. Yeah, because we have a a lot of problems. Oh shoot, we're saying it anyway. You know, so my wife's got one of those dot things. Yeah, at home that she likes to Alexa play this. You know, mm. I unplug it. You do. I unplug it. I don't want it just there I, listening in mm-hmm. because it does. It does. Oh yeah. We've got enough stuff listening in. That's the last yeah. thing we need. But everybody's concern over the Roth has been for years that it's going to go away. And now we're actually seeing what I think the Secure Act 2.0 does mm-hmm. is it solidifies the Roth as a mainstay. I don't think they're going to do away with Roths. They're encouraging us to do well more into Roths. Well, so keep in mind in the two in this Secure Act. The requirement, so you're a planned participant, you're 50 plus, and you're able to make catch-up uh, contributions. That's not a um, voluntary thing. If you make catch-up contributions. Guess where it has to go now? It has to go to Roth. So therefore, it's they're an exception for workers who earn less than $145,000. So we're going to talk about this, but... There are actual Roth requirements in the Secure Act. As much as Peter Thiel was demonized for doing something perfectly legitimate and thinking that we all have billions of dollars in Roth. When we get back, we're going to continue the froth about Roth when we return. Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Is your partner cheating on you? Financial infidelity is a relationship buzzkill and a wealth destroyer. Just in time for Valentine's Day, our next Candid Coffee will address how to avoid financial infidelity. Saturday, February 11th with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff. Build trust, improve your money talk, and pillow talk. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com. How to avoid financial infidelity. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Real Investment Show.
feel like Barry White's going to run in here. Isn't he over that there at the like next a, microphone? That sounds like a theme, like when Cannon, Bill Conrad, would always run during the show. Yeah. And the, and the, and the camera would and shake. Puff, he's huffing and puffing. This is a great show, Cannon, from the 70s, right? But the criminal was this writhe guy. You know, he's really thin, and he's flying, and he's about 10 blocks away, and there's Cannon. <laughs> and he always catches him. To this song, yeah, to this music, yeah, 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 to this music. So, yeah, really interesting. Thanks for the uh, memory. Happy there. to oblige. Thanks. Financial infidelity. Thirty-two percent of couples have cheated financially, and younger adults and millennials are the biggest offenders. So, we're going to talk about this next week uh, on our Candid Coffee Saturday, February eleventh. How to detect and avoid financial infidelity. How do you strengthen bonds, build trust, improve conversations about money? You know, good practical tips, rules that we have created to help you and your partner have these communications. So this is Saturday, February 11th, 8 o'clock. Sign up at Real Investment Advice for the hour-long Zoom webinar. Boy, we had a really good turnout for our last uh Canned coffee, didn't we, Danny? We did. We had we about did. 60 people, and everybody was engaged. We're going to give away our candid coffee mugs. Three mugs coming to you. So when you're in bed having coffee, one of your partners has a, you know, a nice candid coffee mug, and the other one doesn't. That's financial infidelity. No. Um, so these, <laughs> these are things we're going to talk about. Uh, we love our candid coffees because it gives us a chance to really get informal with you, understand what you're thinking, spend time, you know, before your day starts. And boy, we ran, actually, we ran past an hour. Yeah, People we don't do that often. all kinds of questions. Eventually, we're going to have a canned coffee-like Q&A on the website with all the questions that people send, because I think there's a lot of information and a lot of great questions that you would all benefit from. So we're going to provide that eventually on our website uh, for you with Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Although you were in the office for the last one. I was. It wasn't as candid as usual. It wasn't as candid. This so. one may be the same. Oh. It was pretty candid. Yeah. You had, your, had your kid in the background. That you is know? true. James that was studying true. in yeah. the background like a young Abe Lincoln. We're going we're gonna to make James a key grip around here. Yeah, yeah. I, he may have to come with me next week. Help so us we'll move see. the studio around. I'm, I'm actually, I'm sure it's another one because they're arguing over who goes to work with Dad. Next. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, so. you're right. Because if one goes, yeah, then mm-hmm. why and I go? Why and I go with you, Dad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're gonna have to take turns. But and if I bring two, they'll likely be wrestling in the background. We'll have to change the title from Candid Coffee to Kitty. Well, Coffee. I would feed them, like give them a lot of fudgy. Chocolate that's <laughs> melted, and then let them play in Connie's office. Oh yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Good idea. I think that would be really mm-hmm. good. No, we'll do one at a time. Okay. <laughs> so we're talking about the froth or the roth. Roth is is king. Rothification, uh, and one of the things we talked about is this requirement for catch-up contributions to be in Roth, right? So um, it's it's important to understand how in, what what Roth is meaning to this, right? Then. If you had a Roth 401k, your matching contributions would have to be pre-tax. Now, effective immediately, plan sponsors may choose to offer non-elective or employer matching contributions to Roth accounts, which is what I would do, right? So I want my, I want my match to be in Roth accounts. And I think 
this started already? Yeah, this, 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 this has already started. But here's the thing. You may or may not have your employer ready to do this from a, a technical standpoint. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, it might take a little bit. Just the same thing for simple and SEP IRAs now allow Roth, but it may take some time for your employer to Im- get that into place. But boy, I'm telling you, a lot of a lot of Roth choices that we're um, that we're dealing with, and then there's the one where you're able to move your five portions of 529 plan to Roth IRA. So I want to talk a little bit about this, Danny. Yeah, there's a lot of caveats with this There one. are a lot of caveats, but an Ed Slot, one of the best IRA analysts out there, is not a big fan of this, only because he says, you know, it's, it's a lot more hype. But I think, here's the thing, Danny, I think Ed's missing. I think it's a step in the right direction. No, When I it comes to saying, hey, I can move other types of account monies into Roth. I think it opens the door for more discussion, and I, I think that part's positive, even though there are, like you said, and we'll get through those specific rules that you have to follow to allow this to happen. Yeah, I, I actually really like this, and I, I, I do disagree a little bit with that. And I'm not sure that he's against this per se. No, he's just, he's just saying just it's not the panacea that you know advisors are all giddy about. There's a lot yeah. like you're going to go through. There are a lot of restrictions, but I just again I just think it's it's a positive step. Well, I think the the first restriction that everybody has to be mindful of, and this is actually good from the IRS perspective because what they're trying to do is eliminate people from putting funds into a 529 because you can put more into a 529 than you can into a Roth. You can, oh, and you can stuff that immediately because yeah. you can give up to the gift tax exemption. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you could immediately put these funds in and then turn around and put it in the Roth. So the IRS says, no, 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 you have to wait. You have to have this account open for 15 years mm-hmm. before you can actually make that move. It has to go to the beneficiary of the IR, of the 529, excuse me. Can you imagine how that would be used? Oh, yeah. I'd be using it. Okay. I mean, I have every client. It'd be a great it. tool. Yeah, let's open the 529. Wait, and then we move it to Roth. We call it the backdoor 529 Roth or something. Yeah. Yeah, it would be, it'd be fantastic <laughs> if you could. But that's why they're, they're eliminating some of these, these options. So yeah. account has to be open for 15 years, only to the beneficiary of the 529. And, and that be beneficiary no more. has to be, can't be who? Like, in other words, you can't be the beneficiary. No, it has to be a child. Mm. Child, grandchild. Yeah. Um, you know, you, the, you are the custodian mm-hmm. for a minor. Yes. Or a, you know, somebody who now is now of age going to college. Yes. But you, these are not your funds. So that's mm-hmm. why they're allowing you to move these funds over to the beneficiary. Now, I'm interested to see how what they do in the sense, because what we've historically been able to do, let's say you have $100,000 in a 529, you've saved, you've done a great job, and you only spend 50 on college. But you have another child, you move that, you change the beneficiary. So what I'm interested to see, Rich, is that what type of restrictions will they put where, you know, I have three kids. Mm-hmm. They each have their own accounts. But what if one is much greater than the other? Can I go and say, here's 35000 into my oldest Roth, right? Mm-hmm. Another thirty-five into the other Roth. And then another thirty-five. Is that the potential? Do you, you have could, that? You could, I guess, if you, you... But again, you'd have to switch the beneficiaries, Correct. right? So once you do that, you should be able to do that. But keep in mind, um, now... You also have, now you could have had this one open 15 years and you want to switch Correct. it. But then now, keep in mind, contributions, if you made any more, or earnings made within the last five years are not eligible for rollover. 
Yeah. So you you know you got to be aware of that as you move money from beneficiary to beneficiary. This is the older contributions. So this is this is why you know most people start these when they're young. You have a new child, great tool, right? To utilize. You know, a lot of people are are very apprehensive with five twenty nines because they say, well, I, I I want more flexibility with the funds. But I think everybody has the intent that their children will go to school. Mm-hmm. Or and and the great thing about this is not just for university. This is going to be a trade school. Um, there's lots of different yeah. ways to utilize it. And I think that more people will be inclined to utilize it now well, I think with a little bit more flexibility. I think so too. And I also think that you have to keep in mind that you, if, and this is a case I can use because I, I did this for my daughter. I, I tried to gauge as best I could, but she then got scholarships and, and more, we're not taking as much out. And I'm like, oh gosh, now what do I do with this? I don't have any other children, right? So yeah. we can roll it. Now this begins in 2024, by the way. But she, we, I can roll over the yearly IRA contribution limit, okay? In other words, I'd have to stick to what is her earned income. I can't exceed that. I have a lifetime rollover limit of 35000 but I think I can only do 6500 or her earned income into Roth. In other words, it's, still, it's almost going to be like I can contribute. I just can't move 35000 over. I have to have this annual rollover limit based on what her earned income is and what the rules are for opening a Roth. So I got to also keep in mind that that is a restriction as well. And then if you overfunded beyond 35000 well, you're still stuck. Right? Eventually, either the beneficiary at, at age 30 or so, in, if they take the money, they're going to pay taxes and penalties, or you're going to keep, you're going to roll it to you and extend this out. So it's only for 35000 So if you really overfunded your the, uh, the 529, say you've got, $100,000 in there, you can only move a maximum of 35000 over time. So there are certain restrictions. But what I hope, maybe, Danny, some of them open up over the years. Maybe some of these um, restrictions, maybe they make, okay, we're going to increase the lifetime rollover limit to 50. Uh, you know, that kind of thing um, overall. Because like you said earlier, it might get more parents to think about how much they want to save in 529s to pay for college. And that could be very helpful. So these are things you need to go over with your financial advisor, especially the changes around Roth in your plans. Because remember, one of our rules is if you're five years from retirement, we want you to switch off that pre-tax money and turn on Roth because we do want to have multiple buckets of money for retirement income, right? We call that diversification of accounts. So having these additional Roth options, Danny, I think is great. And with all the threats against Roth, right? We were calling that bluff like the market's calling the bluff against Powell. We were laughing. <laughs> yeah, right. You need the money now. Let's say JG Wentworth, so then Danny gets another. Don't email do it. From Don't do now it. Now I'm going to start getting I'm like, it. what in the world? Are you kidding me? Actually, I do get those too. Do you? Yeah. Never had them before you start talking about it. <laughs> uh-uh. All right, guys. Lance back on Monday. Have a really good weekend. I heard the weather's going to be great here in the Houston area. Hopefully this is good where you are. We appreciate you spending time with us. Thanks again.